wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. living and birthing freely mean to you? How do you honor your sexuality and sensuality and how do they impact your birth and parenting? Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a dear friend that I have the honor of introducing. Naoli Vinever is a traditional and certified midwife, a speaker, and an educator, and she's taught hundreds of seminars, workshops, and classes in over 40 countries around the world, including birth philosophies, techniques, and their relationship to sexuality. She teaches Mexican rebozo midwifery techniques around the world since 1992, becoming an authority on the subject through her vast practical and teaching experience. She invented and developed the natural ultrasound technique. And as a midwife, she's attended over 1500 home births in both Mexico and Brazil. She's the author of many birth-related articles and two books. And as an anthropologist, Naoli believes in the midwife adjusting respectfully to the woman, families, culture, and customs. She currently works in Florianopolis, Brazil with her family, lives and works (laughs) there. I'm so honored to welcome you today. Not only are you a dear friend, but we can let people in on the secret. We've had so many conversations, late nights at conferences, talking about sexuality, sensuality, and birth. And I know everyone listening, you're going to enjoy her words as much as I do. And I've learned so much from you over the years. So welcome. Thank you so much, Deborah. It is a great pleasure, great honor to be invited by you whom I admire and love so greatly as well. Such such good, incredible pioneer work that you've done. So much, um, I would say, in-depth contribution to opening up the topic of birth in the world and uh, specifically in relationship to birth. Because, oh, no matter how many years go by, decades go by, you know, the topic of sexuality continues to be such a taboo, even amongst open-minded people. It seems like it never gets explored enough. It never gets to be understood enough or talked about enough, unless it's just very small little groups, you know, people drinking tea and coffee and sharing intimacies and, and just our little adventures of life. So I think it's very, very important and very just fantastic that you have this iPod, um, this podcast, and that you have also, you know, besides the orgasmic birth film, just all the conferences that you've been creating too, and that we've actually had the luck to, you know, to coincide in. So I would like to start by saying that everyone, everyone can have the opportunity to explore and discover. 
our birthright, which is to feel and to enjoy and to feel expanded, but also the sensuality of feeling our sexuality is something that even though we may grow and become mature adults, you know, perhaps people think that when you're in your prime, you're in your 20s, your 30s, the truth is human beings are always sexual beings, babies. You know, they have erections, they enjoy touching their genitals and playing. Um, old people, you know, older people, people in their golden years adore and love and enjoy sexuality. So that just proves that the whole spectrum from birth to death has sexuality as, I would say, as a pulse of life. You know, even though some people may not feel like intercourse or may not feel or want to be in a relationship or to actually make love, sexuality is an energy um, that pulses, a, a vital force, a, an impulse that brings us forth in creative ways. So I would really like to invite everyone who's listening to consider our sexual beings as, as naturally as our sports, you know, how people say, oh yeah, yeah, I take a walk every day. Oh yeah, yeah, I take a shower every morning. Or sure, I make lunch and I like a soup, you know, how we care for ourselves, how we nourish ourselves, how we exercise ourselves in different ways. Some people do puzzles, some people do um, crosswords and just exercising the mind. Our sexuality can be exercised whether we are uh, with or without a partner, whether, whether we have a huge libido or not. It is something that is our own, it's something that's um, perhaps sacred, you know, as, as it really is because it is such a intimate, profound, um, deep reaching energy. So in relationship to birth, um, I have been a witness as a midwife for really way over 30 years, how women get into, you know, they sort of click into a space of openness and of expansion during their births. Sometimes the woman who is pregnant might seem to be very shy or um, just, I would say, um, if not shy, perhaps a little bit kind of like a discreet, more uh, reserved person. But then in birth, all of a sudden, one of the symptoms and signs that labor is progressing beautifully is when she starts ripping her clothes off and moaning and moving about and sweating and, you know, squeezing the pillows and then just, you know, going on the floor and moving in ways that are very sensuous. And when I say sensuous, it's because they are full of sensation. They're full of feeling. They're full of fire. You know, birth is definitely a fiery process. Yeah, it is definitely a process of heat and luscious exuberance. So when a woman who's giving birth is allowing herself and permitting uh, and maybe even taken over by the powers of birth to go into these realms of passionate expression, we know that she's doing well and that the birth is positive, that the birth 
is moving, that the birth is going to be uh, probably culminating, culminating into the eruption of a new life. And the same goes for a person who, independently from pregnancy, who is, let's imagine you're at a party and you see people that are kind of quiet and looking a little bored or a little apprehensive or just really shy. They don't know anybody. You know that they're not having as much fun as that woman over there just laughing her heart out, you know, loud and just cracking up and, you know, just even having contortions from so much joy and having conversation that gets a little louder because she's having an echo with someone else or some other people around her and everybody's just cracking up and laughing. You know, without even having to guess, who is producing more oxytocin, who is enjoying themselves to the max and who is not, and who is going to go home with a charge of joy and always going to go home feeling depressed a little bit or just like bored or as if nothing um, of importance happened in her day or her or his day. So this example brings us to, to perhaps the point of giving ourselves permission, permission to, to be exuberant, to allow ourselves to, to, take the reins off, you know, to loosen the reins of the horse that we're riding, which is our life. And many times that could be a little challenging if we are accustomed, you know, if we, are, we have a life that's been for a long time controlled and, you know, within the parameters of what is uh, socially acceptable. I have to say something really funny. That Please. Happened <laughs> something that happened. <laughs> Something that happened yesterday. My husband Johnny went to town to do some errands, and part of the errands was going to go buy some food at the supermarket. And I was home, and all of a sudden, he left some messages, some audio messages to me. And I love hearing his voice. You know, his voice sounds very sexy to me. He's just got a beautiful voice. So I sent him a few audio saying, oh my God, your voice is so sexy. I love hearing your audios. And so he calls me, he called me <laughs> and he just called me and I started saying, oh my God, you know, I'm sure he called me in, you know, in response to the audios. He got, I guess, kind of excited and turned on and like he wanted to touch base beyond an audio message so when he called me I just went oh my god my love your voice is so delicious when you get home I'm gonna fuck you and all of a sudden he freaked out he hung up on me and then he, he hung up on me then he sent me an audio saying now leave I had you on loudspeaker and I was surrounded by a lot of people and I had it on maximum volume. <laughs> Love it. And it was really funny to me because he actually freaked out. I mean, he, he didn't quite scold me, but he kind of did scold me. Like, you know, you can't be saying those things in public. And I said, you're the one who put me on loudspeaker. You are the one who, who had the phone, but but something else. You should have just laughed. You should have you should right. have felt so proud that you have a wife who is waiting for you at home to fuck you. <laughs> and who's declaring oh, yes. 
yeah, I said, I bet people around you were envious of you and you should have felt proud. Anyway, we were talking and it was so funny. And today he said, he said, yeah, yeah, actually, actually, I wasn't so embarrassed. I mean, I think he really was, but it's got to do with his upbringing. You know, in private, he's not at all embarrassed. He's a very free person and he's very joyous. He adores sexuality and expression and communication and intimacy. He's he doesn't have problems there. But the, the issue came when it became like a public thing for him. And and he and he said, I don't know anybody who would have not been embarrassed. And I said, well, you know me, I wouldn't have been embarrassed. I would have felt just that it was a, a joyous thing. I would have laughed. I would have laughed. I, maybe I would have um, hang up too, but I would have just laughed and cracked up. And, and I would have looked around. If anybody heard and noticed and looked at me, I would have just winked at them like, hey, ain't my, good, my life good? Anyway, right. it was, and it's a really good topic of conversation because I think it's, you know, it helped him clean up a little bit the, the upbringing that is still implanted or imprinted into his soul that expression of uh, sexual exuberance should be hidden. It's something yes. that's, you know, yeah. And, you know, he's a 60, he's going to be 65. He's of a certain generation and he grew up in Ohio and his family was quite um, religious, you know, he, they were Christian and his mom went to church and he wasn't allowed to be naked as a child. It was He was scolded if he was naked. And, uh, but you know how funny, Deborah, one of the things that made me fall in love with him, one of the many, but one of them is when he told me a story of being a child, a small child, you know, five years old, and going into the closet to take his clothes off. And he would take the little book of, um, you know, those little angel children with wings, the carobs, cherubs? Yes, the cherubs. The cherubs. He would take a little book with cherubs. Yeah, cherubs are naked, aren't they? Yes. So he would take his clothes off and pose. He would imitate the poses of the cherubs. And he said that he would feel tingling all over, like not just like genital um, sexual tingling, but like his soul and his body would tingle. Like he, he would get into this ecstatic experience with nudity and spirituality. When he told me that story, I just felt completely in love with him because this is a person who from the moment he's a child from early on, he was already seeking the connection between his natural self, his natural body, and spirituality in some sense or another. And the other beautiful thing that I loved about that story is that his mother cut him in the closet naked, and she scalded him very roughly. You know, she dragged him out by the arm and scolded him, you know, so he'd put his clothes on. But what I loved was that he had a thought right at that moment. He thought, she just doesn't understand. So instead so of being, yeah, instead of being a child who would internalize oppression, you know, as a sexual and innocent being, he just understood that she didn't understand. She just didn't get it. She didn't know what it was about. And she, instead of getting mad at her or being 
um, you know, traumatized. He just said, oh, she doesn't understand. She, she, she can't get it. But I, I thought that was beautiful because it talks about sexuality on, on the most uh, basic sense. You know, the sexuality that is, that is innocent, that is pure, the sexuality that a child has from the time a child is born, and the beauty and capacity that all of us as human beings have to continually explore it and to, to feel the sacredness of it. And not for being sacred, it becomes cold or reduced or not um, exercised, quite the opposite. Yeah. We can exercise very pure, very beautiful sexuality that is ever expanding uh, within its you know, extreme uh, eroticism and its heat and its power, such as women when, give, when they give birth. Yes. So I love your stories and how they really open up how the way we've been taught or the situations around us deeply impact us and how we feel about our bodies and our sexuality. And they're really beautiful. And I know that you've gone on a lot to talk about that for some people, there's healing that has to you know, involve. And especially as people prepare for birth, can you talk a little bit about kind of healing those sexual experiences to bring kind of what's possible and empowerment to birth? Yes, of course. There's always the potential and capacity to heal. Um, you know, all the the wide uh, and ample range of sexual, you know, from from just um, being covered up and uh, having it in a status of ignoring it and 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 being ashamed of it, to all the way to being a traumatic experience. The birth, the birth events offer us uh, an incredible paramount opportunity to transmute, to be able to resignify our sexual, our powerful bodies, our, our sexual organs. You know, as women, we become pregnant by via of vaginal canal, uterus, uh, cervical opening, and then the, the birth process also involves all the sexual hormones and all the sexual organs, the, the birth canal, of course, is going to be filled up, is going to be expanded, is going to feel the pressure of the body of the baby and the presence of the baby moving through. So actual, actual birth is one of the biggest healing um, tools and the healing experiences that women can have for their sexual traumas or sexual experiences in previous chapters of her lives. I have I have seen oh dozens and dozens of women who have been healed through birth, and of course, it is only through the birth and in the birth process that we discover the magnitude and the degree to which that sexual trauma or that sexual impact um, is, is, is uh, closing off or impeding or challenging her to give birth. And it is also within the, the birth process that we discover together uh, paths of healing. And I'll say a few examples. I'm thinking of a woman who was a beautiful, very dark-skinned, beautiful Mexican woman 
with these lovely white teeth. And, you know, she, she's this lawyer who came to me as a single mother and she was pregnant. And she said on the first consultation, she, she said, um, I am not going to say who the father is. Don't even ask me as I have not and will not say to my mother or my family, this child is my child. I said, very well. And she proceeded to bring her mother to the prenatals, even though she was in her high 20s, you know, 28 or so. She was a, a professional, accomplished lawyer. Yet her mother would accompany her because the pregnancy is a, a female process. She didn't want to shun her mother away from the joy and the celebration of her prenatal. And also her mother was going to be birth. And they lived in a different city. They drove three hours every time to come to prenatal. So she was very invested. Yes. The beautiful, incredible story is like this. When she was in labor, she came to my house. She wanted to give birth in my house. And she had extreme, extreme reaction to the pain. She screamed what <laughs> I, I very seldom think of the English term bloody murder. You know how they express how oh, bloody yes. hell bloody murder well it sounded like bloody murder she screamed as if a, an assassin was you know knifing her it was really something and her screaming was so excruciating that my children remember that birth you know as a historical screaming <laughs> birth you know there were 350 babies born in our home and they remember that one so yes yeah, so between contractions i would say okay because she would she would crunch up her bottom and her fists, and then she she would tiptoe around the room, screaming bloody murder with the contraction, you know, bottom up tight and fists tight. So when the contraction would go, I would say, okay, um, maybe you should try to let your heels sink into the floor, let your bottom more loose, uh, you know, loosen this, loosen that. Anyway, I tried helping her, giving her some direction to, to relax into the contractions. After a while, she's, and, and of course she wouldn't, she couldn't, she wouldn't, she just couldn't manage it. After a while, she said, now Lee, between contractions, I understand what you're telling me to do. You're asking me to connect my head to my heart and my heart to my body. But let me tell you, I can't do it. I mean, she was so intelligent. She said, yes, I cannot do it. Beautiful. Yes, she said it with her own words. She said, I cannot do it. And I have not been able to connect my heart to my body and my mind to my body since my last relationship. And that's when I started finding out about her previous relationship, um, which, is, which is not the father of this child, apparently. It was a previous one that in between contractions, she told me a bit of the story. She said that she'd been absolutely in love with this man just head of her heels. And at the end of that relationship, he started mistreating her badly. She never told me how badly. She never said how much it was physical and how much it was emotional or verbal. But she said it got bad and that she just had to cut off her mind from her body and her heart from her body. And that never again did she manage to connect. So therefore, you know, very proper lady, therefore I cannot do it. Therefore, I cannot do what you're saying for me to do. So here we're talking, Deborah, about sexual trauma, surely, because, you yes. know, it was, it was not just a friend. It was a, a lover, a, 
um, a type of marriage, you know, a, a companionship of, of a partnership of sexuality. And she had been so traumatized that she felt like she had cut off something that was essential for her to give birth. And as she understood it, I mean, I don't think I remember any other woman in my over 30 years who expressed such like just agony and excruciating pain from, from birth. So what did I think of doing? I realized that she had had some disconnection that had to do with her sexuality. So I offered her to, um, to use a vibrator and I brought in my vibrator and a condom and I, I said, this is a utensil that I have in my birth bag. It was the first time I was going to use it for that. And this is the condom. Please use it and masturbate and try to have an orgasm. This is going to help. And it's uh, usually helping in cases such as yours. You know, I tried to make it like, okay, this is what we do. And she looked at me and she said, all right. You can imagine how committed and invested she was as a woman driving three hours from another city to my city to, to do a prenatal visit, you know? She was a woman invested in having this baby at home. So she, she took the, con- the, the vibrator, the condom. I left her alone and I said, I'll be over there. Um, I'll come back in a while, you know, let me know. So I stayed outside and I was listening, you know, just from the sound, you could hear the sounds of her screaming. But there was a moment in which the sound changed. It, it became deeper. It became less, less of a shriek and more like, ah, deeper. So I very discreetly, you know, slowly went in, you know, trying to not um, intrude. And I asked her if she had managed, and she did. She had an orgasm. She did manage. She was so invested and so beautiful, you know, because a woman who's going through that, she could just say, I can't, I won't. She could be just, but she wasn't bratty. She was genuinely, genuinely going through agonizing memories of her body and and the disconnection of of what needed to be aligned. So after she had this orgasm, I invited her to go to the bathroom because she still could not leave her hips heavy, you know, down, relaxed, heavy, the way hips should be for for pleasure, for sex, for orgasm, and for birthing. So I invited her to go to the toilet and sit down on the toilet. I figured some position that she will have to just let go. And my goodness, in order for her to sit on that toilet, it took a lot of effort because as, as soon as she would start trying to sink into the toilet, she would rise up and like, no, no, I can't, I can't. And she'd have a contraction. And then again, and then again, and then again. And finally, I insisted. I was very adamant. Yes, you can. Yes, you will. Come on, try it. This is a good place to be. Relax your bottom. And I just kept really inviting her to do it. Once she did it, of course, you know, it started getting more intense because the baby was able to move down into the pelvis and she asked for her mother. At that time, it was great because all night long, it'd been a, at least eight hours of that screaming bloody murder. I had sent her mother and her auntie to sleep in a room beyond several doors. And I said, you sleep, that, that's the best job you can do for your daughter. Just take it, take it a really good night. So she was refreshed. The mother came. I I, um, I told her mother, I gave her a preview and I said, this is going on. 
And she's kind of trying to give up because she kept saying, I understand what you're asking, but I can't do it. She kept saying that. And I said to her mother, we're telling her that she can and she will and she's doing it. So her mom came in and was like, yes, 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 you can do it. And, and, the, and the daughter was very um, neocortical kind of a person, you know, a lawyer and a, you know, very, um, just very intellectual woman. She would explain with about 50 words why she wasn't going to be able to do it. And, you know, mom, you know that I want it, but, you know, really I can't. Da, 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 da. And then at the end, her mother say, would say, yes, yes, but you can. Yes, yes, but you can do it. So the mom got on board. And to make the story short, she started pushing. So she got to full dilation. And wow. she was still screaming. She was still screaming. Very scary screams. So then she went and sat on, on the birthing stool. And I said, okay, the last thing you're going to do, which you've managed to do beautifully up to now, is you're going to turn your scream into song. And you should have seen her eyes open wide, like into song. I said, yes, and this is something you can do because you've been managed, managing everything so well. So she started, that was quite incredible. And it speaks of the capacity that we have to transmutate a negative energy to a positive energy, a cold energy to a hot energy, a blocked energy to a flowing energy, and a scared energy to a trusting energy. Her screaming, anytime she would scream, her eyes would get really wide, but they would look terrified. Yeah. You know, it was terrifying, the sound she it was making. It must have been. Uh-huh. So what did she do then? She started going, she started singing opera. Oh. It was so beautiful. She, after the first one or two, she realized, I am doing this. She looks so happy. And then, of course, when the contraction would arrive, she was already in this pose. She would even make her hands like this, ready for the contraction. And then she would open her mouth. I have this vision in my mind of her big open mouth with this beautiful white teeth and pink tongue this huge pink tongue that would go Wah! and she sang opera all the way until the baby was born oh i had tears rolling down my eyes it was so beautiful absolutely beautiful and that is what you call healing through birth sexual trauma uh transmuting into power, into beauty, into health. She became a powerful woman. She was able to orgasm through the birth. She was able to have a climax of joy and beauty because the sound was beautiful. Yeah. Still looking for that footage, Deborah. I record it and I can't find it. But the oh. day I find that video, my God, it's going to be a beautiful video because it is you know, it'll go beyond my story. It'll it'll come to show people and to give um, a testimony of what we're capable of doing. And, and yes. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking um, in practical, you know, in the moment, proof of what is possible. And it was just absolutely grandiose. And she, you know, after the birth, we were laughing. Like, if you want to go into any opera in the world, you've already got your promo video, your promo audio, you can send in anytime. 
she was so happy, so proud, so gorgeous. There was, there's nothing, nothing that a midwife feels more proud of, of her woman, you know, see the capacity of going from of the depths to the heights of the heights of power and of just of healing, of healing, absolutely. What a beautiful healing birth. I can just, my whole body is tingling from that story and just knowing, right. That for that woman, that was so life-changing that you held that space and she was able to find what she needed And I know for all the people listening, right, I'm sure each person you're taking in different ways of that healing journey for yourself. And I know this is always a hard one, but people always say like, for those people that are pregnant and are like, I want that, you know, how can I heal or expand or just include my sexuality in birth? Do you have a tip for someone listening who's on that journey to prepare? I think that we all have our own journey, our own story, our own sense of tools and and elements that we can use. But it doesn't really matter who you are, what your story is. What matters is where you want to go and whatever it is that you have as your personal baggage, your own story or history, take that and make a bundle, you know, make it like own it. It is yours. Acknowledge it. Don't put it under the carpet. Don't not say anything about it. Quite the opposite. Express it. Say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I am feeling. This is what I've been carrying. This is my fear. This is, you know, just expose it all. If if you're not able to do it, towards another person, at least to yourself, via, uh, via writing or talking in the mirror or just saying it to the moon or to the garden or to a flower. Just say it to the world. And, of course, if you can you do a lot, much better because then work with that material, with it, which is yours. It's your material. It is your wealth. Even it's when, when, when I say wealth, it doesn't mean it has to be positive baggage. It can be negative baggage. It can be challenging, painful, uh, traumatic baggage, but it is our wealth because it is ours. And anything that we have as our history will fuel and will take us to where we want to go. Some people need to make a small leap, not a big leap. Some people give birth in an hour, in half an hour, you know, apparently with utmost ease. Some women will take three days, three nights, you know, 60 hours. Some people really um, think that that makes a difference. It doesn't. It's not how much time it takes. It's not um, whether it hurt or it didn't hurt. It's what we do with the wealth that we have and how we can use it to fuel the movement between where we are and where we want to be. So whatever it is that your luggage is, Acknowledge it and honor it and look at it. And once you look at it, the the bumps and the nodules and the, the, the obstacles begin to dissolve. And miraculously, you start seeing the path. Sometimes it is touching yourself. Sometimes it's masturbating. Sometimes it's caressing. Sometimes it's kissing. Sometimes it's holding on to a beloved person. Doesn't matter what sex they are, just somebody you can trust and massaging and caressing. One time 
I covered a woman with oil in labor and I just massaged her body. She was standing up after she'd been in labor for a long time, not progressing. I just leathered her up with oil and massaged her in a luscious way, in a luscious way. Her buttocks, her inner thighs, her back. I didn't make a, dis a distinction between buttocks and back and shoulders and breasts. It was like the whole thing is you. And if we can do that, all of a sudden, we bring a unity. We bring an alignment to the whole body. So it becomes degenitalized. It becomes, um, you know, the, the pain of the cervix um, blends in and dilutes with the joy of what she's feeling on her buttocks and the breast. It, the whole sensation can become, um, let's say, harmonized. And the energy flow through the, the body becomes harmonic and fluid and, you know, the babies are born. And you can tell as soon as you begin aligning and including all the parts of the body in the touch, in the massage and in the love and in the respect with, with you know, through that touch, the baby and the mother go into labor and they begin doing what nature proclaimed for it to be, you know, done is to give birth, to be born. It's absolutely gorgeous to watch. So if whoever's listening to us can actually share this information with your doula, with your midwife, this person, this treasured person will be able to uh, match you, you know, to go into this journey together. You can go in together. It doesn't have to become um, something embarrassing, you know. It doesn't have to become something obviously sensual, but it will be read as a harmonizing of the whole body and of your, your history through your body. The cells of the body, remember, the cells of the body have the capacity to, to burst and heal and flow and transmute and relax and open. So what you can do on the shoulder will happen on the cervix. What you can do on the neck, on the knees, on the feet, you know, it's, it's a beautiful opportunity for healing. So this is my message to any and all of you who would like to have a transcendental experience of healing and transmutation. Anything that you've lived through is yours and it's your wealth. Use it, honor it, share it, and use it you know, to move on to where you want to go and have very clear in your mind, in your heart, in your thoughts, in your soul, where that place is, where you want to go. And then you focus there and you throw yourself there and you will navigate the waters. Life will take you there. And this is your life. What beautiful words of wisdom. No matter how many times I hear you speak, each time you bring such treasures, wisdom and gems that are touching me, you know, um, mm. and I know for everyone that's listening, I'm sure they either have tears or just a full heart that they're going to bring your wisdom into their heart and to their birth. So I know a lot of people would like to find out where can they find you? Can you share a little bit about the work that you're doing, the art of birth, the many beautiful programs that you're offering? Yes, of course. It'll be my pleasure to welcome any of you on my platform. It is a platform called Art of Birth. It is a resource learning center, which is focused on gestation, birth, postpartum, and much more. All kinds of topics, all um, made into videos with 
didactic material, PDFs. Um, it is really for welcoming both pregnant women and birth professionals. I've always wanted to include um, the whole spectrum of people who are enthusiasts and passionate and study and work and live birth because there's no difference between us. You know, we may be dedicated to working with women, but the woman who is giving birth, she's dedicated to giving life. So we are one. So anything that a professional should know and learn, a woman who's pregnant or wants to be pregnant or is about to give birth also should know and learn. So this platform is for all of you. You will find it in nowlivinaver.com. It's um, it's available to all of you. You can sign up any day. There's no beginning or end date to join. You can join today, tomorrow, in a month. There's people who have joined a few years ago and they renew their annual subscription because we are creating new material all the time, new videos, new topics, new discussions. And for people who are in the platform, I have at the end of each month, a Zoom session, a live interactive session with um, all the members. We have over 1,700 members from 60 or more countries around the world, and it is all in four languages, English, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. So you can imagine that the community that it gathers, the incredible topics that we go through that are discussed and I would just love to extend an invitation to all of our listeners to you know, join us and participate in this platform, The Art of Birth. Fantastic. And you'll see the links below the podcast, so you can click directly over. And what about on social? Instagram, where are you? Yes, uh, Instagram is now Livina Ver. Um, I, I actually recently divided in the four languages. So now living ah. in English, now living in Portuguese, now living in Francais, you know, living in Espanol and etc. you know, the four languages, because um, it was a little challenge to post everything on four languages on the same page. So you can look um, for the now living in English on Instagram. And then on Facebook, um, all the, the members of the Art of Birth platform are welcomed and are invited to join the community on Facebook, which is the Art of Birth group. It's a private group where we discuss lots of topics as well. But you will also find, if you go on Facebook, you'll find um, another page of mine, you know, Living a Very Official. Anyway, it's all shared in the, in the media. And uh, it's just very, very happy to be always in connection and in touch with everyone in this world, which is not quite a big world. We're all, it feels so small because we're all connected. It's a, it's a yes. lovely, lovely experience of communication. And, you know, taking advantage of the media, you know, we may be very spiritual, we may be very grounded, we may be very busy with uh, physical births and practices and life, but it's, yeah, there's always a little moment for sharing online. I think the world has become much more rich now that we're connected in this medium. Yeah, I agree. And like being here today, I have to thank you so much for this connection, for being willing to come and share your wisdom and helping people explore their sensuality, their freedom to really heal and create an orgasmic birth. So wishing I could jump through and give you a big hug, but lots of 
kisses to everyone listening. We look forward to hearing your comments. If you like this, please subscribe for more, but we'd love to hear from you. So tag us on posts. Let us know how you're feeling. Wishing everyone pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.